Well, thank you for the good music this morning, guys. Uh, it was great. It was great. So thank you. I'll always look forward to it. Well, good morning and welcome to those of you who are here in person. I'm glad to see you're spending Labor Day at home. I didn't know what to expect this morning. Uh, so I'm glad that you are here and we welcome those of you who are joining us uh, online. Well, tomorrow is Labor Day. It's a federal holiday. It's celebrated on the first Monday of any given year, and it is to honor the American worker. And thanks to Adam and Eve, we have to earn our living by the sweat of our brow. I've often said if I were Adam and Eve, I would hide out in heaven a long time before I came out because we have a lot to talk to them about. And since work is a major, major, part of our life, I want to talk to us today, give us a principle that'll help us not only to work better, but to live better. It's the Rebecca principle from Genesis, the 24th chapter. And the Rebecca principle is a principle that applies to life no matter where you are, no matter where you are in the marketplace, whether you're retired, whether you're a student, in your marriage, how we just live our day-to-day -day, uh, Christian life, and how we do our ministry, your own personal ministry, and our collective ministry at uh, Bellevue Baptist. Now, I learned this principle a long, long time ago from John Maxwell. And uh, we have folks from First Church here this morning, and I apologize because I preached it at First Church three times. And so, and so I have preached it in men's retreats around the country. I have preached it in revival meetings. And uh, it is a wonderful principle because it speaks to everyday life. Let's pray and we will get to it. Father, this weekend we pause to consider our work. And we thank you, Father, for the blessing of steady work for fair compensation, for supportive co-workers, and for the satisfaction of knowing that our work makes a difference. Maybe some here are struggling over their employment or their lack of it. So Father, go before them and open the doors and make connections that will result in opportunities for satisfying work. Maybe some are unable to work and feel terribly cut off and even useless, but help them to focus on what they can do. But Father, never let any of us imagine that our worth in your sight is earned through our work, but help us to know that our worth comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So Father, continue your work through us that all our works may be pleasing in your sight. Father, these are tough times. And as we have sang, I pray that you will give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And I pray, Father, as we continue to pray for all of those who are struggling and suffering through this surge of the COVID, that you will be very close to them, particularly our friends, Charlie and Tammy, I pray you would heal them and return them to health. And Father, we continue to pray for the victims of the Hurricane Ida, 
bring them peace, bring them comfort. We pray again for Haiti. And Father, thank you for those who are helping them to recover. And Father, we continue to pray over the mess in Afghanistan. And we pray for our Levi. Watch over him and protect him and bring him home safe. Now, Father, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Guys, I think I'll just use this. I'll just use this. A recent survey discovered that the number one reason that people live long is worker satisfaction. And people enjoy what they do, and when they enjoy what they do, they live longer. And some of you probably been saying, I'll be dead before this service is over. You know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who said this. But somebody said it a long time ago, find something that you like to do so much that you'd gladly do it for nothing and then learn to do it so well that you get paid for it. And that is good. On this Labor Day, I want to give you, as I said, the Rebecca principle. It, to me, it is a life-changing principle, not only in your job, but in your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship with your family, people that you work with in every area of life. Now, our text today is a great story. Abraham is old. Sarah has died. Isaac, Abraham's son, is 40 years old and not married. Now, in Bible times, the parents selected the spouse for their children. I think we should reinstate that biblical principle. I think it would be a great biblical principle to reinstate. Uh, I had my son-in-law picked out a long time ago, but my daughter didn't agree with me. Uh, and so I think it would be a great biblical principle. Abraham calls his chief servant. We never know his name. And he wants him to go on a trip 450 miles back to Abraham's home country, back to Abraham's family, to pick a wife for Isaac. Let's pick it up in Genesis, the 24th chapter, verse 10. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The servant then took 10 of his master's camels with all kinds of his master's goods in hand. He went to Aram Naharim, to Nahor's town. At evening, the time when the women went out to draw water, he made the camels kneel down beside the well outside the town. Lord God Almighty, my master, Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed. Make this happen for me today and show kindness to my master Abraham. I am standing here at the spring where the daughters of the men of the town are coming out to draw water. Let the girl to whom I say, please lower your water jug so that I may drink, and who responds, drink, and I'll water your camels also. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had spent his speaking, 
Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, son of Malchi, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, coming with a jug on her shoulder. Now the girl was very beautiful, a virgin, no man had been intimate with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me have a little water from your jug. She replied, Drink, my lord. She quickly lowered her jug to her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I'll also draw water for your camels until they have had enough to drink. She quickly emptied her jug into the trough and hurried to the well again to draw water. She drew water from all for all his camels, while the man silently watched her to see whether or not the Lord had made his journey a success. As the camels finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and for her wrist two bracelets weighing ten shekels of gold. Whose daughter are you, he said. Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Then in verse 26, then the Lord knelt down and then the man knelt down and worshiped the Lord. Now, the text, my text is verse 19. Verse 19, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will also draw water for your camels until they have had enough to drink. Now, you say, what's the big deal? She gave Abraham's servant a drink, and then she watered his camels. What's the big deal in that? Well, watering a camel wasn't exactly like giving water to a dog. Abraham's servant had ten camels. Each of them could drink twenty camels gallons of water or more. Look at the screen. Here is the camel watering calculation. 10 camels at 20 gallons each, that's 200 gallons. 200 gallons drawn with a five gallon jar, 40 trips. 40 trips at at least three minutes, two hours. Now in those words, your camels too is the Rebecca principle. And the Rebecca principle is this. I will do what you ask, and then some. Now, the prevalent mindset, it seems, in the workplace, in a lot of places today, is I will do the least that's expected to me, and I want to get the most money I can for it. Minimum effort, maximum return. So that's what I want to talk about. Let's begin with this. How does the Rebecca principle work? How does the Rebecca principle work? Become and then some person. Become and then some person. When we do a thorough job with what we have been uh, before us and do before us, then we will be given better jobs and excellent jobs. See, if we haven't done a great job where we are, we cannot expect to have a great job where we are going. So the Rebecca principle works only when we become an in and then some person. Number two, realize extra blessing comes from extra effort. It's just a fact of life. 
Extra blessing comes from extra effort. When we put extra effort into it, we receive back more. Galatians 6, 7 says, For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. There's the principle. Extra effort brings extra blessing. Now, in those three words, and then some, it distinguishes the highly successful or effective person, I better say effective person, the highly effective person from just a mediocre person. The highly effective person does what is expected of them and then some. The good student does what's expected of them and then some. The good spouse does what's expected of them and then some. The good parent does what's expected of them and then some. So across the foreheads of highly effective people are the words and then some. Not how little I can get by with or not it's my job. It's not my job. It's not my job. So you write into every job description I learned a long time ago and anything that's expected of you or required of you or asked of you. So they couldn't say it's not my job. So what will happen when we become and then some person? What will happen? First of all, number one, we will receive more than we ever thought possible. If you become and then some person, a Rebecca person, you will receive far more than you ever thought possible. If you would be a Rebecca-like person, not only give me a drink, but go the second mile and water their camels as well, we will receive from life, we will receive from others, we will receive from, from what we're doing, making a living, more than we thought possible. When we become a Rebecca-like person, we're going to receive more, we're going to find out what she received, we're going to receive far more than we ever imagined. Now, folks, this is why people who aren't givers never receive anything back. And quite frankly, it's hard to feel sorry for those kind of people. And I look at them and I'm not surprised. This is why people who never put anything into life never get anything out of life. Because this woman, because Rebecca gave more than what was expected of her, she received more than what she expected, as we'll find out. See, Rebecca is at the well getting water for her family. She went to that well every day, every day to carry water back to her family. On this day, a stranger shows up. She had no idea what mission he was on. She had no idea that he was from a very rich relative, a very rich man who had come to find a wife for his son Isaac. She had no idea what his mission was. And so what would happen then if we became like Rebecca? We would receive far more than we ever thought possible. Well, she agrees, as we'll find out, she agrees to go and marry Isaac. Isaac was, or, or she becomes then the mother of Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And Rebecca received far more than she could have ever thought possible. Now, what would happen if we become a Rebecca person? We will be blessed the rest of our life. We will be blessed the rest of our life. The Rebecca principle, and then some, blessed her the rest of her life. Look at this little statement. I'll, water, I'll draw water for you and for your camels too. She would, she would marry Isaac. She would become the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, folks, this is where the message gets significant. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, Jesus tells about the last day when the master is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he's going to say to the sheep, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took me in. I was in prison and you visited me. Lord, when did we see you like this? When did we feed you? When did we give you a drink? When did we take you in and clothe you? When did we care for you when you were sick? When did we visit you in prison? When did we do all that? And he will say, I tell you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. Whenever you do good without any ulterior motives, you do it with the right motives. You do it just because it's the right thing to do and not expecting anything back, Jesus says, then we're Rebecca people. I'll give you a drink, but I'll water your camels also. Now, I run into people, and you do too, and they say, okay, life, fulfill me. Give me a purpose. Help me to be happy, and life meet my needs. And life says, no, 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 no. No, it doesn't work that way. You give, and then you receive. You don't receive, and then you give. You give to life, and then you would receive from life. And I know a lot of people, and you do too, who do not enjoy their life. They don't enjoy what they do for a living. They don't enjoy their mates or their family. They don't enjoy their school life because they have not learned the Rebecca principle. And then some. Now, now let's just see what the Rebecca principle teaches us. I want to draw four things, four lessons that Rebecca teaches us. Number one, don't despise the little job. Don't despise the little job. Every evening, she went to that well, drew water. I don't know how far it was back to the tents, but every day, such a menial task. She did it every day to bring water to her family. You see, she did the little jobs well. Don't despise the little jobs. Jesus said, if you are faithful in a few things, I will make you master over many things. And I, I don't know the number of people that I talk to who want to do the quantum leap. They want to go from the big job to the big position to the big place. And it will not happen. 
unless you first do the little jobs well. Don't despise the little jobs. I was the revival preacher for a church in Tennessee, and I was looking forward to being there because Joyce and I had a lot of friends in that church. And when I got there, I had not even unpacked my grip. And the pastor said to me, sort of in an aggravating way, well, you enjoy the gravy of a big church, and I'm just waiting for a big church to come and call me so I can enjoy the gravy of a big church like you do. And I thought, what are you talking about, gravy? And he did it over and over. He said it over. If he'd said it once and let it alone, it'd have been fine. But he said it over and over and over. As my granny would say, he drove it in the ground and broke it off. And it, and it got on my nerves. Well, I watched him that week. I watched him closely. He was lazy. He was undisciplined. He was never on time. I was staying with a friend of mine there, and he said, I'll come by and get you, and we're going to do this, and we're going to go see this person, and we're going to call on that person. Well, he'd be an hour late, two hours late. Now, if you knew me real well, you would know that I would rather be two hours early than two minutes late, and that sort of got on my nerves. Some, one day he didn't show up at all. The whole day was wasted. Never explained why. He was so unorganized in his work, in his life, he did not study, he did not read. I'd ask him, what are you reading? Well, I don't have time to read. Well, his sermons were prepared on the fly. He, he didn't read. He and his wife were at each other's throats over one of their children, and they tried to get me to take sides with them. It was a miserable week, and I could not wait to get out of there. And all week long, he kept jabbing at me. Well, you enjoy the gravy of big church. I just can't wait till big church calls me. I can enjoy the gravy of big church. Well, Friday, I knew I was leaving. And, <laughs> and I finally said to him, Brother, can I be honest with you? I don't know what you mean by the gravy of a big church. Gravy, I work 60 to 65 hours a week. I preach four times a week. I have two sermons to prepare a week. And I promised my church that I would never go into the pulpit unprepared. Now, it may act, look like it sometimes, but I promised them I never, I never would. Do you realize how much study I have to do to be able to do that and to do it like I want to? I, I sometimes do two and three funerals a week. It's not unusual. One week I had seven funerals. I'm the guy on staff that gets the emergency calls in the night. I'm the one who goes to the ICU ward in the middle of the night. I manage a staff of 40-plus people. Our staff, our pastoral staff, deals from anywhere from one to three major crises a week where you just have to stop what you're doing and take care of it. Now, you call that gravy? You call that gravy? If you want to enjoy the gravy of a big church, as you call it, brother, make the gravy here. And if you don't make the gravy here, you'll never be called to a large church. Well, he never did call me back for a revival. Never did call me back to preach for him. Don't despise the small jobs. Do the little jobs well. It is in doing the small jobs well that you learn the principles that will make you effective 
in the big jobs. And you young people here who are just entering the marketplace, <laughs> if, if you aren't doing your best flipping hamburgers wherever you flip them or whatever you do, let me tell you this about life. You won't make it in big companies like P&G or GNC or, or GE or any big place that you aspire to. Don't despise the little jobs. Do them well. And it is sad that the mindset of the world is just get by. John Mitchell, who is a television journalist in Louisville, he said it very well. He said, too many workers would rather get home than get ahead. Mm. So don't despise the little jobs. And then don't wait for the big moments. Don't wait for the big moments. There are some in the workplace who say, well, you know, I can't hardly wait to get, oh, I can't wait to get away from this spring. I can't wait to get in this well. I can't get, wait to get away from carrying this water every day. I want to go to the big place. I want to go to the city. I want to go where it's the action is. It's like that guy who told me, I can't wait till I get to a big church. Well, guess what? He was never called to a large church, and he dropped out of the ministry. Have you known anybody like that who are just waiting? I just can't wait for the big break. I can't wait for the big pie in the sky. Can't stand what I'm doing now. Oh, just can't wait to get over it. I'm just not happy here. Well, let me tell you, if you aren't happy what you're doing now, you'll not be happy what you're going to do tomorrow. Happiness isn't a position in a, in a company or a place. Happiness is a disposition of the mind. I don't know how many times down through the years I've had to tell young pastors, get happy where you are. Get happy where you are. Happiness is a disposition of the mind. Well, let's do a little review. Are you with me? What does Rebecca teach us? Don't despise the little jobs. Do them well. Don't wait for the big moments. And then help people, and you will be blessed. Help people, and you will be blessed. Pour your life into others. And I promise you, you will be blessed. When Abraham's servant revealed who he was, he brought out gold, and he brought out fine garments, not only for Rebekah, but for her family as well. The servant gave valuable gifts to her family. Help people and you will be blessed. All right, let's do a review again. Are you with me? Are you with me? Don't despise the little jobs. Don't wait for the big moment. Oh, just can't wait to get away from this well. Can't get away from carrying this water. Help people and you will be blessed. And then when God opens the door, go through it. <laughs> When God opens the door, go through it. When you have the right attitude and the right motives and God gives you the opportunity and he opens the door, walk through it. You see, he's lifting you up. He's promoting you. He's blessing you. God says, I've got a Rebecca on my hands who not only gives water to the servant, but waters his camels as well. The servant, <laughs> Abraham's servant, explain to Rebecca's family, I came here on a mission to get a wife for 
my master's son, Isaac. I was at the well. I prayed. If the young woman says to me, or I ask her for a drink, and she says, then I'll water your camels also, I'll know that's the one. Rebecca is the one. She did that. Now, will you let her go and marry Isaac? Yes, but will she go? It is her choice. It's even her choice. Verse 57. Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they call Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her. And she replied, yes, I will go. God opened the door. She walked through it. And she was an and then some person. She had no idea what was ahead of her. She had no idea what God had planned for her. But God opened the door to a different kind of life. And she walked through it. Now let me tell you what I believe about God. I believe that God looks for people who want to do excellence in what they're doing in, for a living and what they're doing excellence in life. Excellence in the schoolroom. Excellence in their family. People who will give the maximum effort and if you're one of them, if you're one of them, I believe that God will open the door and bless you and help you to gain a place in life where you can have a great influence for Jesus. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter where you are. All work is good. All honest work is good. And it gives you a chance to be an influence for Jesus no matter where you are. Well, what does the Rebecca principle teach us? What does Rebecca teach us don't despise the little job guys do them well do them well empty those jars water those camels do it well don't wait for the big moment oh I just can't wait to get away from this well I'm going to be happy when I get away from this well no 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 be happy where you are be the best where you are you help people and you will always be blessed and then God opens a the door, then you go through it. You go through it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to be the kind of people who will say or be said of us, they did their job and then some. He was a wonderful husband and then some. She was a wonderful wife and then some. They were wonderful children and then some. The wonderful student, and then some. Help us, Father, at Bellevue Baptist to be the kind of Christians that walk through life with a smile and an uncommon positive attitude, and help us to be the kind of people that give extra effort that will glorify your name. Help us, Father, to be a Rebecca. And in and then some person. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior if you never have. We believe in confronting you 
with the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. We are here for a lot of reasons. First of all, we're here to call you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you never have. We're here to challenge you to obey the Lord in Christian baptism. If you never have, we'd be glad to talk to you about that. If you would like to become a member of the Bellevue congregation, we'll be glad to talk to you about that. I'll be down front, and if you have a decision to make this morning, just come to me, and we'll help you make that decision. Let's stand and sing.